The Hornets are almost done with their preseason, playing some good basketball for some of the players, including Brandon Miller getting his first start this preseason. We'll go through Stangin or Clangin, and then finally provide some of the latest Miles Bridges updates. That's all today on Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. <laughs> Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods, and that includes YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. I ran that into a Game Time. I did that, except I did it also like broadcasting the Game Time app. Game Time. That's what I really mean. It's brought every to time you, you say it, every single time you say it. That's how it sounds in my brain, or, or that mm-hmm. voice saying "game time" comes yep. up in and, my brain. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> my brain is broken. Yeah. Well, I can't. I can't help but think about it either. The, this was the first time I was able to say it though, because the juice—it's starting to come back in the voice oh, just a little bit. Juice alert! Juice yeah, alert! The juice is back. It. You know, and I have to open up. That's the voice of Doug Branson, by the way. Follow him on his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. I'm on I'm on WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3. I do have to open up by apologizing for teasing the people about a potential weekend pod and then not being able wow. to go because the voice did not have any juice solo. <laughs> and when you when you don't have any juice, when you don't have the kind of volume you need, and then you don't have anybody else to help you out on the other side, do the reads mm-hmm. and stuff. It's like, you know what, game time, you know what, FanDuel, you know what, Jace cases and Jace medicals and all the Jaces out there in the world, you probably don't want me doing it. And so this is the episode. We are going to release a bonus pod, though, at some point. I, I do think that is in the works for us. We have a few things we need to finish before we actually get into this regular season. There's nothing the like shelves, there's Doug. nothing like coming off a broken promise that's by right. making more promises. That's, that's that's my that's my go-to move. Break a promise and then come out immediately with another promise. <laughs> it's like Jim Carrey and Liar Liar telling his kid, "We're going to hang out this weekend. I'm Jose Canseco. I promise. I'm going to be Jose Canseco." <laughs> I'm telling you kids, I apologize. Let's talk about some Charlotte Hornets though and what they did over the weekend. Um we got a preseason game yesterday against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And they won, Doug. Now, it's significant because we got to see the Hornets play well. But it's also significant because people started to realize the Hornets had not won a preseason game in a very long time. October of 2021, it had been since we won a preseason game. So you got over that hurdle. And also we got to see Brandon Miller start a couple of these games with Miles Bridges having not been allowed to play preseason at all. Gordon Hayward dealing with some foot soreness. Yikes, foot soreness is not going to be good for Gordon, especially. So then with him out too, Brandon Miller gets the start. 50% field goal percentage, a three-point shot not falling really well for him right now, but overall looks like a very good basketball player. Takeaways from Brandon Miller after a couple starts. I think he's been uh, as advertised for the most part, right? I mean, he's been fundamentally sound. He looks more accelerated than you would think a rookie would look. Uh, you know, even though he was the second overall pick, I think you still expect some rookie jitters, some not understanding exactly how things work. I think he's, you know, I think he's impressed in in that regard. 
He's defensively minded. I mean, his length is noticeable on the wing, and his instincts for where to be defensively, I think, are noticeable and, and, and helped on several possessions in that game against Oklahoma City because offensively, as you mentioned, like the three-point shot's not falling, and while he did have that little saucy look like he was going to yam, but then he turned it into a finger roll, like he has some moves out there where you go, all right, there's, some, there's definitely something there offensively. It hasn't been all there. He's one of ten from beyond the arc. It's a bit, it's a bit shocking, but I'm going to reserve, you know, I'm going to hold back on a reserve judgment. This is the preseason. Everybody's kind of getting into the groove. I'm going to wait until the regular season to start getting super concerned about that because everything else, Walker, I think um, everything that people were excited about telling us about Brandon Miller, uh, he has, he has shown that. I agree. I think if you, I'm not worried about the three-point shot after three games. We're still in real small sample size city right now. The fact that you've only played three, he did make one, and the the three-point that he made, I'm pulling up his game log right now, it was a couple games ago against Washington. That was this past Thursday, and he was one of four, was 0 of two last night against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So the three-point shot not falling. But I think what you like is that the, the two-point shot is falling for him. And this was the concern for him making that transition into the NBA. It wasn't really the three-point shot. It was his ability to finish at the rim. And it was the mid-range, how much he was going to take it and how well he was going to shoot it from the mid-range. And that's been his go-to, man. It's not like he's been taking a physical beating when he gets down low. He's only had two free throw attempts, and that was in the first preseason game. So these last two... He has not taken a free throw attempt in over 25 minutes of play each of the last two outings. I expect that to continue for the most part as his regular season goes on. But we do have the fun dunk that was called back because they said it was a charge. That was a fun highlight. And we did see, as you mentioned, the one that did count, the I'm going to dunk it. Now I'm just going to finger roll it. So not physical buckets, but or well, the, the dunk was a physical bucket that was called back. But this last one, not necessarily physical, but nice. Well, was it? So the question, I have a question on this play. I have a question on this play. Do you think that he launched a little too early and realized it midair and just had the body control, (laughs) the athleticism to then turn that into something that looked, it looked all one movement. Like it didn't look like, oh, I'm panicking midair and I've got to, I've got to figure it out. No, it all looked very smooth. But do you think he launched and went, "Uh uh-oh, because there was no one really in front of him. I don't think he was concerned about being blocked. I think it happened. Yeah. You realize it pretty early on your launch. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, this ain't going to happen. I'll just transition into yeah, a Yeah. You roll. as a, you, you're a dunker. You've dunked the basketball before. So you would know you can, I can't, you can be. offer this kind of commentary. Yeah. I used to be a dunker and not anywhere close to the skill level of Brandon Miller. But for me, if, if I was going to go up any type of, any type of bump, like just, just a, a slight breeze that happened in the gym, threw me off and I couldn't dunk it anymore. So you're if, a, you're a dunk expert. I'm a Dunkin donuts expert. Yeah. Dunkin donuts. Yeah. I mean, I'm Krispy Kreme guy myself, but the coffee and the donut combo, no doubt don't Dunkin donuts will show up for you. I, I like that. Brandon Miller is hitting his mid range. I like that. He's being crafty and savvy inside the restricted area. And I think that's what I focus on more. So, right. Like the, I think the three point shot is going to fall at some point. If it doesn't after, you know, 15, 20 games, and it looks like well, it might be a sign of things to come, then that will be an issue. But Doug, the, the three-point shot, if it falls at a 36% level, everything else you see right now, 
I, I think this is what you're going to get in the regular season. He is going to be a contributor. He's going to play 25 minutes. He's not going to give you a ton of points. He's going to shoot effectively. Maybe one of those two-point field goal, go, goals goes beyond the three-point line. That's what I'm expecting once we hit real time. I'm not concerned about the three-point shot right now, but if you want to be concerned about the three-point shot, I'll give you a, a few reasons to be concerned. And those reasons are that the Hornets have a little bit of a history of drafting guys that are supposed to be able to shoot three-point shots, and then they suddenly get into the league, and mm-hmm. they can't. Malik Monk, James Booknight. There is a, there's a pattern here. Uh, so hopefully that pattern doesn't continue, but certainly I think that history can give you a little bit of a concern. And the other part to be concerned about is that if he doesn't hit those three-point shots, it actually would be pretty devastating to this team right now that generally, like if you look across the board, they're not shooting the three very well, and they didn't last season. And we tried to fool ourselves and say, well, you know, two seasons ago, they were one of the best three-point shooting teams, and the roster construction hasn't changed all that much. Last season, lots of injuries. Uh, but so far in the preseason, they haven't shot the basketball well. And there there are a lot of holes, things that they haven't been able to replace, certain guys that were a little d- bit deeper in the rotation that have gone on to other teams uh, that, you know, you're going to miss that three-point shooting. So if Brandon Miller also struggles from three, I think that's going to be an overall team concern. So there are some reasons yeah, if you no, want to be concerned to be concerned. But that mid-range shot looks good. I think he's going to figure it out. And I'm actually going to disagree with you. I think – with the depth concerns on this team, I think he actually, once he goes to the bench, if he does start the season as you know a sixth-man type role, I think he'll have plenty of opportunities to shoot it. And if he does shoot it at a decent clip, he's going to have some, I don't think like 40 burgers, but I think he'll have some bigger nights, some surprising points nights, because they're going to need him to do that on the bench because there's really not anybody else. Yeah, I guess you're, like, you're right. Probably he'll average more than eight. But what are you looking for his average to be? Like, I what? 12, 12 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 12, 13. That, no, for sure. But there are going to be not. I'm just saying there are going to be nights when he puts up mm-hmm. some uh, gaudy numbers because I think he's going to get into a groove. He's going to get on fire. And they're going to need him to have the ball in his hands to, to do something with it. Because, like, I liked the fact that in these past two games as a starter, he tried to do everything else for the team. Defense, rebounding. I mean, defensive as a defensive rebounder, Brandon Miller is like, I mean, he'll put a body on a body, and once that body gets bigger, then he's only going to get better. But he makes contact with folks. He knocks guys out of the way, and he gets good positioning for defensive rebounds and uses that wingspan as well. Like when him and Mark are down low, I don't worry about the team getting the board. Um, and so that's exciting that he's using all of these other tools while he's a starter because he knows LaMelo, Terry, those are going to be your scores, right? Like you don't need to, you know, throw the ball up uh, 15 times when you're on the floor with those two guys for the vast majority of the game. No, the rebounding has been good. The passing has been good. I would say those have been Stangin qualities. Let's talk about oh, yeah. both the Stangin and the Klingin coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Speaking of gaudy numbers, we got some gaudy numbers from one player individually last night. We'll get to that in just a moment, but not before we talk about Game Time. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy, too, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. 
all in prices show your show uh, your total upfront so you know you're getting a great deal and that's without hidden fees they're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets which is a good thing to be obsessed about if you're purchasing from game time game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event too and even an hour after it starts it's the place to find the last minute seats that you've been wanting take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time download the game time app Create an account and use code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKDOWNNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A. LOCKDOWNNBA, that's for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Stangin or Clangin, coming up next. All right, Doug, let's go with Stangin or Clangin. Let's start with the Stangin from yesterday and the preseason, even maybe so far, if you wanted to go that direction. Brandon Miller, the rebounding you were praising, the passing. We love the Brandon Miller passing. That was true at Alabama. It's showing up here. It showed up in Summer League. Great stuff with the Brandon Miller vision. Is there another player that you wanted to highlight as far as Stangin goes, Doug? Well, I'll start with my staying with P.J. Washington. He gets the game ball for that uh, win, that rare preseason win for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, big, big numbers. Uh, put up 30 against the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's always the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's what he had his 43-point game last season. Um, I, look, I know we're all into like tech and VR technology right now. Apple's making this headset. I would like the sports tech nerds to figure out a way to get some goggles on my guy, P.J. Washington, that turns every opponent into the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Hornets would be automatic title contenders. We've got to figure out a way to do this. Tim Cook, get on it. Uh, but P.J. Washington gets a sting, and he finally gets on track. I know you're happy about that. I'll point out one thing in particular that I love to see from P.J. Washington so far, and this goes for the entire preseason, even when he was struggling offensively, which is the P.J. Washington to Mark Williams interior passing for dunks. Yeah, Love the groove that they're in right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And, and the fact that – so now are you telling me that we have two guys in the interior that can pass and also catch those passes? Is that what – is? do we have that at the four and five? And then when you include Brandon Miller at the three – or, or Gordon. Just have, I mean, either way, if you go Gordon or Brandon, you got three yeah. guys in your front court now that can all pass the ball. That is not something that Hornets fans are going. There, it's this is going to look weird. I'm just going to warn fans now. This is going yeah. to look like <laughs> basketball, like you've never seen it in Charlotte. Um, when the starters are on the floor, now when the bench is on the floor, <laughs> oh boy, it's gonna, yeah, the passing it's going to get really interesting. But yeah, these guys can pass, man. Yeah, and I just value ball movement so much. It's one of my favorite things. I think it helps you so much offensively. And the fact that you have five guys that can pass. Mark Williams from the high post. It doesn't matter if somebody dives in. I trust Mark to hit that guy cutting to the basket. Uh, PJ, Mark, the front court, and of course, LaMelo. I mean, self-explanatory there. So that's really nice. Yeah, PJ goes crazy. Uh, what's crazy, too, I, what I don't love is that he's... <laughs> He's shooting a lot, 12, 13, 18. That's got to go down in the regular season. I, I don't think he's going to have that many field goal attempts. I don't think so. I know you give me the face. I get why. I don't think he's going to give me that many field goal attempts. But if he hits like he did against Oklahoma City, then fine. Just go ahead and chuck it up there. Um, another Stangin before we go to Clangin, Doug, did you want to hit me with something else? No, this is listen, Stangin or Clangin. You got to go Stangin and then you Clangin. Okay. It's, a, it's a yin, it's a yang. It's a balance. It's a light side. It's a dark side. Stangin, Clangin. Gotcha. Okay, you got it? Good. Clangin. I do. 
you away announcers that the Hornets fans have had to be subject to because Bally's is going bankrupt and can't send home announcers to away destinations for preseason games. They don't got the moolah to do it. So we're subjected to away away announcers who don't know the Hornets' players' names. I'm pretty sure they called Brandon Miller Brandon Jordan at one point, which is actually a nice little compliment, I think. It is, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then the Wizards' announcers kept calling Bryce McGowan's Bryce McCowan's. Mm -hmm. And it just got – every time they did it, it got under my skin. Just Like, it's the basic thing. I don't expect the away announcers to know the field goal percentages last season for Bryce McGowan's. But I think it's part of their job to know the names and how to pronounce. You get a guide at the beginning of every game. It's Bryce McGowan's. Put some respect on the man's name. Look, sometimes I will do this, but when you do when you do play-by-play, all right, and you move up the levels, <laughs> when you're doing play-by-play for high school or college or uh-huh. NBA, the name recognition clearly gets a lot easier as you move up. That is the advantage for being very good at your job and then moving yep. up to the ranks of calling professional sports. And so in high school, if you don't know the backup linebacker that comes in and makes a tackle in the second quarter, I think except for the person's parents, that happens a lot. The person's parents, they're not going to be happy that you mispronounce their name, but everybody else is going to understand. Once you get to college, then it starts to be, all right, we, we know, like I'll call games for Queens basketball. It's my job to know the names for the opposition. Once we get to the Charlotte Hornets, once we get to the NBA, you got to know. And McGowan's isn't even hard. Yeah, it, it Brian Brandon Miller, right? I mean Miller, I don't even know what what place that is in the most common last names of all the worlds. All he was the second America. overall pick, pretty popular, yeah, one of the best college players. McGowan's McCowan's is a is an enunciation problem too because it's mm-hmm. e- it's it's easy to go McCowan's like you're you're bouncing off of the little C yeah. into a big C. But again, you are a professional. You, your job is to get to that G, McGowan's, McGowan's. It's tough. Listen, I'm not saying it's easy, okay? But I do it every day. You just okay? pronounce I the manage G. it. That, that, no, you, no, I think you're making it too complicated. I think if anybody's having a hard time with this, forget the C altogether. Bryce McGowan's. Done. That's it. That's how you pronounce it. McGowan's. Just forget about yeah, that. Yeah. It's Skip little for C. a reason. It's little for a reason. The G is big for a reason. Pronounce the G. We move on. Stangin. What else was Stangin that you like from this game here, Doug? I'm going back to B-Mill, man. His passing. He had the obviously the lob pass to Mark Williams. That's exciting. That's going to get the fans out of their seats. But it was another pass that actually impressed me more. Brandon Miller has driven the basketball a few times, and he's driven it into trouble. He's been a little – you like to see him being a little too aggressive. And, and Clifford even mentioned this. Like, I would rather – I'm paraphrasing him, but it's like, you know, it's good to see the rookie being aggressive. And me, no, Doug say, Branson yeah. – I personally would rather see a rookie not shrink in the moment, even if it results in a few early turnovers in preseason. But in this instance, in this game against Oklahoma City, he drives the basketball, two or three guys collapse on him. He gets all the way to the baseline. He's in trouble. He can't shoot the ball. The corner's locked down. He can't pass it out to the corner. And he looked and and made the decision, didn't turn it over there, wrap around pass back to Mark Williams and was able to make something out of nothing there. Got into trouble, but got himself out of trouble with his passing. Because, again, that wingspan. I love, You know, wingspan, we talk a lot about it on the defensive end, but it also helps you pass, too, when you can get the ball way out in front and move it around somebody. It's great. You know, it's it's the lamella ball effect. That's why it helps yeah. him so much. There's not an angle he can't hit when he's 6'7", and he's running point. So, Brandon Miller, you're, he is so long, man. Like, that is a... 
that is a big dude. It's why we like the positional size when we flirt with him at the two spot. And that's why we like him as the archetype three that can handle it, move around and be mobile out there on the perimeter. So if Brandon Miller's passing is clanging, then is Nick Smith Jr.'s passing. Is that clanging, Doug? Is that fair to say? Oh my God. I mean, I don't, the, the only thing that's more clanging is something that I'll get to in just a moment. This is the second most clanging thing that I've seen gotcha. um, in preseason and it's Nick Smith Jr.'s passing. And before I dig into this, I want to say that I am still high on Nick Smith Jr. I think that the way he gets to his mid-range shot and the fluidity in his movement and the, the way his jump shot looks, and it's gone down that mid-range jump shot and the outside shot doesn't look bad either. And his energy and his intensity, it's all been good. It all signals to me, hey, this is a guy that belongs in the NBA and will eventually get into the rotation. And honestly, might get there whether he's ready or not because uh, the Hornets lost Bryce McGowan's to an ankle roll and there's just situations yeah. that could uh, make Nick Smith Jr.'s entry into this rotation maybe a little too soon, but, but it might have to happen. But his passing has got awful. He's not ready. He needs Greensboro seasoning. I hope that the Hornets are able to figure out some positional depth such that Nick Smith Jr. can actually go down into Greensboro and get a similar experience that Mark Williams did. Because I'm sure there were some things that they saw that's like, oh, Mark Williams not quite ready for the NBA, but he will be. I feel the same way about Nick Smith Jr. When he passes the ball, it's not like, oh, he can't hit that electric pass. These are basic passes. I, I really chronicled this in, in every Hornets box score. And there were a few in the Oklahoma City game, but he didn't do as much facilitating in that game. But he was uh, playing a de facto point in some of these Wizards possessions, and he just can't make the basic NBA-level pass in transition and semi-transition. I mean, you know, Nick Richards running down the floor. He's wide open. All he has to do is lead Richards just a little bit, just lead him just a little bit. Instead, the pass is behind Richards in transition, and they end up turning it over. He's got to be able to hit these basic NBA passes because he's not going to be a point guard, but the ball will be in his hands and it can't go all, it can't always go to the basket. He's got to be able to make these passes. Yeah, he's a bucket, but he's not a passer. And four turnovers against Washington in just 14 minutes, not going to cut it for Nick Smith Jr. We were, what, I think it was Clifford that was talking about Brandon Miller's three or four turnovers that he had in more minutes than Nick Smith Jr. in their preseason debut. And now here's Nick Smith going for four turnovers. We saw last night we had the one. Uh, hit a few buckets, hit a three-pointer. But, yeah, you're right. It, it's not somebody that's swinging the ball at an effective rate. And I think you're seeing a guy who essentially went from high school to the NBA, right? I think if he had had more time and pro and maybe been in a better situation in his one year of college than I, where, he, where it wasn't so like, oh, I've got to score – if if he had been in that kind of situation, I think maybe he would be better off right now. He would be a little farther ahead. But yeah, I mean, the passing, it's a technique issue. It's a decision-making issue. And and one that I think, you know, again, unless they absolutely need to utilize him, I think it's going to uh, send him to Greensboro for a while, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and we'll, hopefully that translates. Because they're playing him a decent amount of minutes here, Doug. Like, yeah. if you were giving me, what, he played 20 the first game, he's played 12 and 14, uh, all that adding up to a number I probably would have taken the under on as much as we've seen. Like we've seen a decent amount of Nick Smith Jr., which is interesting to me. And that was true even when Bryce McGowan's was out there. So, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how much he plays. I, I still don't have a, a firm grip on that, how much of it's going to be Greensboro. It feels like this is a guy, if he does get real 
Hornets work, Clifford could be pretty frustrated with him and just say, I've had enough of this and then send him to Greensboro and then bring him up when he's ready. Yeah, well, it's going to be really inherent on him not to do anything crazy. Like Nick Smith, there was a pass in the fourth quarter of that Wizards game, tries a jump pass off of both feet to Amari Bailey, who was just coming off again, routine, uh, flare screen, uh, off ball, you know, a pass that I've seen, you know, third string point guards hit all the time, just a basic thing. He jump passes off of both feet, way off target with the pass. So, I mean, you know, it's it's about trying to make the easy play and, mm-hmm. and you know, work yourself out of that particular matchup so that you've got an angle to make the pass. All right, lightning round real quick. Stangen, my final Stangen or Klangen. Final Stangen has to go to the player that I think, the preseason hot take here, has been the best player for the Charlotte Hornets so far in the preseason. It's not LaMelo Ball. It is uh, Terry Rozier, who is absolutely mm-hmm. knocking down shots left to right. His defense, along with LaMelo Ball, has looked a lot better. But for the preseason, he's shooting 53%. He's shooting 46% from beyond the arc. He's averaging 15 points, but he's also putting up some uh, good assist numbers as well. He's averaging five assists. I think he's been the best assist man on the team as well. So Stangen absolutely has to go to Terry Rozier, who Steve Clifford warned us came into this camp and preseason ready to roll. Yeah, loves the vets. Gordon Hayward too, but Terry Rozier has really been playing in the preseason. Gordon's been out the last two games, so Terry has really picked up where Steve Clifford said he left off this offseason. All right, one more segment to go. Coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. My final clanging. I got to get to my final clanging. Let me get to it next time. Okay, that's what I was going to do, right? We got Doug's final clanging. We'll end on that bad note, and then I guess we'll end on more. Um, that sucks. We didn't really think that through. I didn't. I apologize. Miles Bridges updates as well. We'll get to it in a moment. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a app and company that if you're thinking of starting therapy, you should give them a try. Please give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist too at any time for no additional charge. There's go, there goes the juice. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. <laughs> Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. More Locked On Hornets coming up next. Doug, you had the final clanging we had to get to before we end today's show. What is it? Yeah, so I said that uh, Nick Smith Jr.'s passing was the second most clanging thing I've seen so far in the preseason the most. This is going to be pretty obvious to anyone who's been watching all three of these preseason games. It's Frank Nielakina's shooting. It is clanging to the 44th power. It is not good. (laughs) And he keeps putting them up. It's three-point miss. He did hit one, uh, finally. He did hit a three-pointer against Oklahoma City. Look, a lot to like about Frank. And after that game against Oklahoma City, Steve Clifford was quick to pounce on the positives of Frank Nielakina, which is, I mean, he called him... I think he called him like one of the best pick and roll defenders in the entire NBA, not just on the he Charlotte did. Hornets, but in the NBA. So he obviously values his defense. He had six assists in that game against Oklahoma City. So he's, you know, moving the basketball well. Uh, but the shooting, to me, Walker, for Frank, it's really going to be about not can he hit the shot, but can he keep himself from taking a lot of shots, even when he's wide open? Because Walker, he's wide open for a reason. The first game that we saw in the preseason, he was weirdly aggressive getting a shot off, like off of screens immediately going into a pull-up, and there was no reason for him to shoot that shot. 
Uh, I could I could picture Patrick Ewing yelling at Frank. Do you, well. It, the thing is, Frank probably does work on it. It's just not going in for him, and so we don't need to see him shoot it anymore. You're right, Steve Clifford. He's telling us that we're going to see a lot of him, though. I mean, if he thinks that he's one of the best pick and roll defenders in the NBA, thinks he might be the best defender on the team, you're getting a lot of that Dennis Smith Jr. praise. We're we're not even seeing the good stuff offensively. DSJ couldn't shoot either. But he made the most of it by getting to the rack, passing once he had a paint touch, and you know filling in a different spot. But Frank isn't. I mean, I guess he had six assists. It doesn't seem like going to be a Dennis Smith Jr. type play if we see a lot of minutes from Frank. But you're right, Steve Clifford loves what he gets defensively from him. I would say that this is not a hot take, but most, if not every single player in the NBA, wants to score. It's fun to put the ball in the darn hoop. Like that's it's just natural. Even if you work every day to be a better defender, a better rebounder, blah blah blah, you want to score because that's the name of the game, putting points mm-hmm. on the board. That's how you help your team win the most. And so it's it's understandable that he wants to put these shots up because again, he is not wide open. He's wide 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 open. <laughs> I think There's the onus You're right. I think the onus is on the team to get Frank opportunities, to get some sets together, to run some plays, to get Frank ahead of steam going to the basket where I think he can be more successful. Feed that early so that he has that, he's got that out of the way. All right, we got Frank a couple of buckets at the rim. Now he can focus on doing the things that he is strongest at, which is defending the pick and roll, get you a couple of rebounds every now and then, and also... Uh, you know, his his passing as well. So th- I think that's yeah. what the coaching staff has to focus on if they plan to play him, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, all right. Yeah, it, the Frank stuff, it's not been good. There's your staying, there's your clanging. We end with Frank, the most clanging thing this preseason, according to Doug Branson. All right, let's get to Miles Bridges' updates before we end the show real quickly, just to give everybody some information on what's going on because we did get some news on Friday before we got to the weekend. Miles Bridges turned himself into authorities on Friday on an unserved warrant dating back to January 2nd. Bridges, quote, unlawfully and knowingly violated the protection order and continually contacted the victim, according to court documents. This, of course, following the felony domestic violence charge he turned himself in for the summer of 2022. He's also going to be served a criminal summons for an October 6th allegation of violating a protection order, again, misdemeanor, child abuse, and injury to personal property. More details on that incident will hopefully be coming out. Bridges is, of course, accused of throwing pool balls at the victim's windshield while his children were in the car. And I know that he turned himself into Lincoln County because he could just see a judge faster than he could if he would have done so in Mecklenburg County. That was reporting on Kyle Bailey from WFNZ. Then he was out on a $1,000 bond. Last thing is that I believe that same day, I want to get that right, but I know over the weekend for sure, we did see Miles Bridges back at practice. We saw video evidence of him getting some shots up as well on the practice court. And that's what's going on with Miles Bridges. Doug, let me just say, this is a, an, an, this is a complete and utter mess, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And th- the reason that it's a mess are, one, because of Miles Bridges' decision-making, because of the allegations that are happening right now, 
but also because I believe the reporting had not been very clear at the beginning of this, where we saw WSOC, they had at first Glenn Counts, the investigation reporter, investigative reporter, was at was over this at the beginning of it. But I, I do believe that there was some information that wasn't entirely accurate at the beginning. At first, I saw that this happened at Miles Bridges, that at Michelle Johnson's house, excuse me. But afterwards, I saw that it had been reported that it was actually happening at Miles Bridges' house. That is not to sway anybody's opinion one way or another. That is just to get the information as clear as possible with what we've seen reported since the initial reports coming in from Wednesday of last week. All that to say here, Doug, it's a complete and utter mess, and it's really unfortunate. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, you know, I think all, and and we said it at the top of our initial comments on this that this inf- that this whole thing's going to evolve and change, and and details will come out. And you know, at the end of the day, we're going to know, uh, or at least we'll we'll know to the best of of what's released uh, what what occurred. Uh, all, all all this is going to play itself out. But in the meantime, I'm still wondering about a couple of things. One, uh, what what did the team know, and when did they know it? Did they know? I I think it's obvious they found out about this criminal summons just a couple of days after it it came out, and which is understandable. But the January 2nd uh, unserved warrant, I, I just want more information about when the team knew about that and if they knew about that before they negotiated a deal with them. The NBA is also looking into this. So we'll see about that. You know, I, I think regardless of, of whether you believe that Miles Bridges is guilty of these charges or any of the charges or whether you believe uh, the, the charges that he pled no contest to, or if you're reserving judgment, or if you believe that somehow, like that that he that Miles Bridges is innocent is an innocent victim in all of this, you can't deny this, which is that his life situation has been a major distraction and a drag on the Charlotte Hornets franchise for two seasons now, and for that reason alone, I think the Hornets should disassociate themselves from Bridges. But, but I have other reasons why I think they should as well. But just for that reason alone, that he's been a distraction, because let's play this out, Walker. So all of this uh, gets cleared up, and, and, and the team continues to support Miles Bridges, and the players continue to support Miles Bridges, and the team, uh, they, you know, they, they play out the 10-game suspension. There's no other suspension for Miles Bridges. And the team starts to play better because they get Miles Bridges back into the starting lineup. They get enough wins where they're now qualified, not just for the play-in, but they're a playoff team. They're going to be on the national stage. They're getting national attention now because they're an up-and-coming team that has beaten all the odds. And then you have enough. These incidents seem to be timed horribly. Uh, yeah. the, you know, the first obviously happened right after the draft and uh, heading into that season. And then this one happens at the beginning of the season. What's to say there's not going to be something else that comes up You know, right at the playoff time, because the Hornets have not had to deal with any kind of national attention around this. And I think there's, you know, you you could do some thinking about why why that is or why that isn't. But they haven't had to have any kind of attention. This has really been a local story. But if something happens when they are in the playoffs, it suddenly becomes a national story because they will have national attention on them. And so I think, you know, again, for that reason alone, the Hornets should disassociate themselves from Miles Bridges. I said it on WFNZ last week. Think about it from a Hornets perspective. You can never feel safe that nothing is going to come out about Miles Bridges, no matter where you are in the offseason or in the regular season. You can never be too sure because now this has happened twice where before free agency started, he turned himself in for felony domestic violence charge. And right before the regular season starts and really 
as the preseason starts, the same day that the preseason starts, we have this arrest, uh, the arrest summons, and we find out about the January 2nd arrest warrant that had not been served. But he turned himself in, as we saw again in Lincoln County, and he is out on a $1,000 bond. I believe the pending court date is November 13th, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll see about some of the updates that do come as this entire situation unfolds. We were sure... we we. I will say this. We talked about it as if there was no way Miles Bridges was going to play throughout this entire investigation, throughout this individual process. I'm not so sure about that anymore. I I don't know. I I would I could see Miles Bridges playing after these 10 games are up. And that's going to be around the time that he has a court date, Doug. I mean, just doing the math, I haven't checked it out entirely, but it's going to be, you know, if they play October 25th and you know, he's got that court date on November 13th. And of course, it's not like, okay, we have this one court date and everything's going to be situated, right? We we know from the first time that this is, go, it goes on, it gets postponed, we have continuances, and this is going to drag out. It's just going to be a, another side story about the Charlotte Hornets team. No matter what they're doing on the court, we can never reach peak optimism because of this Miles Bridge side story that we have going on. And they don't. I don't know. I, I guess it's unfair to say they don't care, but it doesn't seem like it. Uh, it doesn't. It seems like they are ready to take whatever um, PR hit uh, that is required to get Miles Bridges back on the court. And all I keep thinking, Walker, is 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 a tenth seed really worth this? Is it really worth everything that comes? Uh, with with uh, the Miles Bridges experience, uh, and and it seems like the Hornets' calculation, the front office, and if I saw some takes out there, oh well, the front office should the Mitch Kupchak should, should be immediately fired. The front office should be fired for letting him come back to practice. Everyone, if you think that ownership is not aware of what's going on, if you think that they haven't signed oh, yeah. off in some fashion. That uh, that that this is fine, then then you know you're fooling yourselves. Like this is not Mitch Kupchak, this is not Steve Clifford, this is not whoever else in the front office. Uh, this is an entire organizational decision, and they will uh, either uh, if 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 um, they'll either reap the benefits or they'll sow the the costs of of these decisions. But they yeah. But it's it's fully on them. We have the court date November thirteenth. The 10th game of the season, November 14th, against Miami. He will be eligible to play, as everything stands right now, against Milwaukee on Friday, November 17th, in the middle of their homestand. That's how their schedule is going to work out. And then, of course, we'll see what happens from there. That'll do it. Ending on a high note here for the Locked On Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods, as is game-to-game NBA. Again, the season's about to start, so you will not want to miss the top performances. You will not want to miss all of the results in a way that only Locked On has you covered. Um, We promise you more episodes. I'm promising again. I'm continuing to be Jim Carrey from Liar Liar, making all the promises. Hopefully we fulfill them. Um, We appreciate you. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. I promise. Uh I'm Jose Canseco. (laughs) 